Book 27 The Exposed Chapter 1 My name is Rachel. I'm tall. I'm blonde. And I'm standing on a balance beam, trying to get the nerve to do a forward roll. Trying to be normal. Although, when you think about it, what's normal about a human somersaulting along a slippery, narrow, wooden tightrope? Nothing, that's what. Forget the forward roll. Hey, reckless in battle keeps me alive. Reckless in gym just breaks bones. And to keep fighting, I need to stay in one piece. Survival always comes first. So you know I won't tell you my last name or where I live. That information would get me and my friends killed. Not that we'd go down without a fight, of course. But still. We're five kids and an Andalite who, as I see it, have to hold on to the three major things we've got going for us. The ability to morph by acquiring animal DNA. Anonymity. Nobody knows who we are. The home team advantage. So far, it's been enough to keep us alive and to seriously aggravate the Yurks, a parasitic species here to enslave Earth. If the Yurks had a most wanted list, we would top it. They want us bad. Maybe they'd kill us. Maybe they'd do what they've done to so many humans. Crawl into our heads and take over our brains. Make us controllers. A controller is someone enslaved by a yerk. And they're everywhere. They're people you know. People you trust. Our vice principal, Mr. Chapman. My cousin, Tom. Teachers, TV anchorwomen, cops, FedEx drivers, waiters, students construction workers, all walking around like they're perfectly normal, persuading their friends and families to join the Sharing, the Yerks Cover Organization. And once you're in, there's usually only one way out. You become a controller. You walk and talk the same. You have the same memories. You still chew gum in class and toss Brussels sprouts back into the serving bowl when you think your mother isn't looking. Only it isn't you doing any of it. The real you is caged up inside your head, helpless, screaming silently at the yerk slug holding you hostage. Become a controller, and you have no will of your own. I will never surrender my free will. This is why we fight. And, to be honest, I like a good fight. The adrenaline spike of battle. The rush. The challenge. And now that I've admitted that, I'll admit something else. Lately. It's been scaring me that I like it, that I look forward to it so much. My father thinks I'm as tough as any boy. My cousin Jake says my specialty is kicking butt. Marco calls me Xena, warrior princess, and jokes that I'm always the first to want to fight. He's right. I'm front and center, head of the line. Let's do it, I've said, more times than I can count. And I'm afraid that if I keep giving in to the urge, sooner or later, I'll forget how to do anything else. Forget how to do the things I used to like to do. I used to love gymnastics. Not the balance beam, exactly. I'm talking about the powerful feeling I got working the parallel bars. And vaulting was as close as I'd ever come to flying. Not anymore, of course. Not since I became an anamorph. The thrill of vaulting doesn't even come close to the thrill of soaring as a bald eagle. Or zipping around as a fly and human muscles are pathetic after experiencing a cat's liquid grace, or becoming a grizzly bear, 
Now we're talking power. I can't help myself. It's like I'm addicted or something. Addicted to danger. Addicted to defeating the Yurk invaders. And addicted, in my dreams at least, to smearing Visser 3 across the pavement like the overgrown slug that he is. See? I told you I was starting to scare me. Visser 3 is evil. Merciless. Ruthless. Cruel. He's the only Yurk with the power to morph. The only Andalite controller. He's in charge of the invasion of Earth, and he takes his job very seriously. So do I. Hey, Rachel! My head jerked up, shattering my concentration. The gymnastic studio zapped back into focus. Kids talking, laughing, doing backbends and walkovers, working out on the parallel bars and rings. A guy named Titi was smiling and coming toward me across the mats. Not an ugly guy at all. Not at all. I didn't smile back. Until he'd yelled, I'd been doing fine. But now my body was swaying and my balance was broken. My arms began to windmill and my bare feet, one placed before the other on the narrow beam, were wobbling. I was going to fall. Don't worry, he said, jogging up. I'll catch you. Oh, great. Just what I didn't need. I swiveled, trying to push off and jump. Bad move. The motion sent me reeling. I pitched sideways. I knocked TT's outstretched arms aside and hit the mat. Woomph! Ouch. My palms stung. So did my hip. You okay? He asked, putting out his hand. Yeah. I ignored it. Got up. My face was hot. I didn't like to look stupid. And now I did. And it was all his fault. I looked at him, annoyed, ready to tell him off. And stopped. He was definitely not uncute. He was taller than me. Blue eyes, like me. Dimples, not like me. So I guess this means you're falling for me, huh? He asked, grinning. Want to go to a movie or something? Chapter 2 Say what? I snapped. He leaned against the balance beam, cocky and relaxed. I wondered if you wanted to go to the movies or something. I looked at him. That wasn't all he'd said. And the rest of it, the part about me falling for him, made me uneasy. He was cute. Better still, he was human. See, if TT and I went to a 90-minute movie, we could go for pizza afterward. Or to McDonald's. Or whatever. He wouldn't have to demorph back into a red-tailed hawk before the two-hour deadline. Going out with TT would be normal. Maybe even fun. No tension. No fear. Well, he said. In your dreams, I said abruptly, wheeling and heading across the mats to the locker room. He didn't try to stop me. I shoved open the door. <laughs> it bounced off the cement wall. The locker room was empty. Echoey. Good. I wasn't in the mood to deal with people right now. I didn't like the way I was feeling. I didn't like that I had reacted. I didn't like the moment of hesitation. The moment when I considered the fact that I was the only girl in school whose, I guess, 
boyfriend was, how should I put it, a bird. I felt anger bubbling up inside me. Mad at Titi. Mad at Tobias. Mad at myself. Why had I hesitated? Gee, I don't know, Rachel, I muttered under my breath. Maybe because Titi doesn't have a beak. Maybe that's it. I yanked on jeans and zipped up my jacket over my bodysuit, jammed my feet into socks and running shoes. Why hadn't I said yes? That was easy. Because I'm all kinds of things, some of them not too great. But I'm not disloyal. I don't betray people, especially not Tobias. And yet, the images in my mind would not go away especially images of eyes that would look into mine and not glare with the furious intensity of a predator. I was going, if you can even use that word, with a guy who spent most of his time riding the thermals, talking in thoughtspeak, and eating small mammals. A guy with feathers, talons, a fierce curved beak. And sometimes, for almost two hours at a shot, unruly dirty blonde hair, and hurt, tender, Hopeful eyes. He's my friend. My fellow warrior. We fly together. Fight yurks together. We are not normal kids. I laughed suddenly, and some girl stared at me. Yeah, not normal would be the understatement of all time. I headed outside and looked up at the sky, the way I always do. Looking for the familiar silhouette against a blue sky looking for the faint tinge of red in tail feathers. But Tobias wasn't there, and I was disappointed. Oh well, he was probably off eating a baby rabbit or something. Normal red-tailed hawk behavior. Maybe there was more than one kind of normal. And maybe I'd just better find a way to live with it. Find a way to really enjoy something besides fighting. Gymnastics hadn't done it for me. Not today. But shopping might. I headed for the mall. There are few emotional problems that can't be made better by shopping Old Navy and Express. I jogged most of the way and felt the familiar flood of relief mixed with anticipation as I slipped into the air conditioning. Ah. Colored lights. Music. People talking. Laughing. All united in a common goal. Shopping. I targeted the limited, went straight into the store and checked their sales rack. Nothing good, but no problem. Next. I swung out of the Limited and nearly rammed into Cassie. Cassie, what are you doing here? I said. Why didn't you tell me you were going shopping? Which question would you like me to answer first? Cassie asked, laughing and tucking her bag under her arm. Either. Both. I said, pouncing on the bag and tugging it free. Ooh, the body shop. Cool. What'd you get? Bath oil for my mother's birthday, she said. Uh, Rachel? What, I said. Her eyes were wide. I followed the direction of her gaze. Eric the Chi was standing in front of the gap. So Eric's shopping, I said, shrugging. So what? Question is, what's he think he's gonna find at Nine West? A nice pair of sandals? Look, she whispered. It's happening again. Eric flickered. His human hologram blurred, faded, revealing, for an instant, the real Eric the Chi, the android. Chapter 3 
Whoa, that can't be good, I said. What are we going to do? Cassie said, as Eric's hologram shimmered again. We can't let... Ears all around us, I warned. She fell silent. Eric is an android. Part of an android species, created to be a non-violent companion to the Pamelites, a peaceful race that was wiped out by the Howlers. Eric is an anti-Yurk spy. Also, a friend. Rachel, we have to do something, Cassie whispered. Yeah, let's move. Eric's hologram, the illusion of a normal boy, dimmed, exposing his interlocking steel and ivory plates. We have to look cool. Natural, Cassie cautioned. Right. We wove through the crowd and moved close to block Eric from view. Hi, Eric, I said. What's up? Aside from the fact that you look like TV during a lightning storm. He looked at me. And he looked scared. Eric, you have to get out of here. Something's wrong with your hologram. I know, he muttered, hunching his shoulders like he was going to disappear down into them. I kind of noticed. Can't seem to fix it. I have tried running every... Yeah, tell me all about it later. Come on, we have to get you out of here, I interrupted, seizing his arm. His human hologram had just gone sheer, like a movie projected onto a screen. The force field was gone altogether. My fingers closed on steel, not projected human flesh. Where are we going? Cassie demanded. How can you hide me? He was dragging, barely equal to keep his legs moving, like some big, overgrown baby working on his first steps. In here, I said, steamrolling into the only store around where an android wouldn't seem out of place if his hologram totally croaked. Spencer's Gifts. Home of the wacky, wild, weird, and wonderful. Masks. X-Files memorabilia. Aliens and snow globes. Aliens everywhere. Eric shimmered, shivered. Quick, into the corner, I said, nodding toward the back of the store, far away from the teenage guy running the register. By the strobe lights, if anyone sees him, they'll just think his hologram's an optical illusion or something. Good idea, Cassie said, tugging at Eric's arm. I wouldn't have thought of Spencer's. Mall knowledge, I said. It's going to be my major in college. Eric had stopped walking. He didn't move. Frowned. Steel and ivory plates flashed. Sorry, he apologized. It was bizarre. Watching him was like wearing x-ray glasses and being able to see his bones right through his skin. Come on, I ground out. He moved his leg. Slowly. Eric, please, Cassie whispered. You have to hurry. Oh, really? He said, taking another slow-motion step. You know, the seriousness of the situation had totally escaped me. You can't walk, but you can be sarcastic? Cassie demanded. Then, Eric froze stiff. Cassie and I looked at each other. She took one arm. I took the other. Somehow, we hold him down the aisle to the back of the store, without anybody noticing us. But it was not easy. Eric was a hundred pounds or more of concrete. We propped him up in the corner between a stack of Star Wars posters and a life-size replica of the alien from the movie Alien. We stepped back. The strobe light flashed. Eric. Android. Eric. Android. 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 Oh, man.
I muttered, glancing at Cassie. Now what? She said. I had no idea. Whoa, cool! It was some kid wearing a Hanson shirt. He slouched up and gazed at Eric's android form. I wonder how much it is. He moved in closer, searching for a price tag. Uh... Cassie said helpfully. I'll find out, I said. I mean, we want to know too. Androids, they're cool. I backed away, motioning for Cassie to stay and keep an eye on poor Eric. I had to do something to ward off shoppers, and fast. Fortunately, I knew how. I plucked the sales tag off a wind-up cockroach and slipped back into the aisle with the rubber earthworm pens. The cockroach had been $5. I crossed out the price, flipped the tag over, and scribbled $5,000. Hanson shirt said, Five grand for a lousy hunk of metal that doesn't even walk or talk. What are they, nuts? He took off, but someone else was sure to come along. And eventually, the clerk, a nerdy college-age kid talking on the phone, was sure to notice. When the kid was gone, Eric said, Actually, my approximate value in current U.S. dollars would be well into the billions. Listen, stay here and guard him, okay? I whispered to Cassie. I'll be right back. And Eric? Don't worry, my friend. We'll get you out of here. Guard him? Cassie said. What do you mean, guard him? Wait! She grabbed my arm. You're gonna call Jake, right? Think I should? I said, a little giddy from having pulled it off so far. I was thinking of calling for a pizza, but I guess I could call Jake instead. Cassie gave me a sour look. Thanks. Very funny. Here's a comic question for you. What do I do if some controller sees Eric and realizes what he is? That wiped away some of my giddiness. Protect yourself, I said. I met Eric's frozen gaze. You're number one, Cassie. Push comes to shove, give up Eric. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Here we are. New book. Uh, gonna be going on some deep sea adventures, if the cover of this one is any indication. I honestly don't remember what this one's about, so I'm excited to find out with you guys. Um, but before we get to all of that, we got uh, a whole big old mailbag full of mail to read through today. So this first one came in through uh, my contact form on my website, and that's theapocalypse.com, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and it's by uh, Joey, who writes, Good day, Daniel. Please know that your passion project is bringing me and my three kids an amazing bonding experience that I thought would never be possible after they stopped printing the series. We are up to ep- uh, episode 210, and I just wanted to send you something to let you know the years you have spent on this project are very much appreciated by your audience. Aussie Spotify streamer here. I have nightmares of, scholo- of a scholastic rep uh, hearing of this podcast if it grows too big, but I share it with my friends anyway. All the best, Joey and my little ones. Thank you so much for writing in, Joey. Uh, that's really sweet to hear. Love, love hearing that people share this with their, I guess I love hearing that they share that with the kids. Um, I, it's very flattering for me, but I also think I cursed sometimes in, in some of the earlier episodes, so I do apologize. Um, but, um, yeah, thank you so much for writing in. I also hope that a scholastic rep never hears about this. Um, it seems to be going good so far. 
Um, although Spotify did remove one episode, I think. Um, but what can you do? Um, yeah, thank, thank you for writing in. I appreciate that, Joey. Um, and I hope that you'll be able to listen to uh, many more episodes and that Scholastic won't sue me. <laughs> uh, I also got one on the Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. And this is from Alex, who writes, uh, Thank you for all the love and care you put into this project. I've been craving the Animorphs in an audio format for a very long time. And as a 31-year-old guy, your podcast has been scratching that itch for me. Seriously, Alex, also from Boston. Uh, thank you for writing in, Alex. appreciate that. Uh, I am also a 31-year-old guy, guy, although I'm about to be 32 this year. It's coming up. Um, oh, that's weird, isn't it, being 32? Ooh, you never think about that. I am 30. Yeah, I'm turning 32. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning 32. For you younger listeners, listen. I know right now your birthdays are, like, very important and is a very big deal when you turn another year older. Um, by the... After, I think, 23, it, it just sort of starts blurring together. And I say 23 because that's the last time. That's the last time, like, a popular song has mentioned age, really, right? It's Blink-182's What's My Age Again? No One Likes You When You're 23. And after that, you know, no one's write, really writing songs about uh, people's ages. So you're like, uh, not not that big of a deal anymore. I can't make a funny lyric uh, status on social media about it. So what's the point of keeping track? <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Alex. Um, they, they do have official audiobooks out now as well, but I appreciate that you've been listening to mine. Thank you so much. And finally, uh, I have two messages on Tumblr. That's audiomorphcast.tumblr.com. I told you we had a lot today. Uh, first is by a longtime listener, longtime friend of the show. That's, uh, Willis the Arths, who writes in, good job on this book. Probably one of my favorites. Love a cheesy ending. Teaching the child soldier lava monsters to love. Good stuff. Warms my late 20-something bones. Two questions this time. Well, more like one prediction and one question. Can't wait for the elements to take away Jake's Howler Morph due to some space wizard uh, war rules. I never got this far into the books before, but if K won't let them keep the Dinomorphs, I just feel like he isn't keeping the Howler. And I remember in the Andalite Chronicles that they they had to deal with some floating asteroid aliens, noting that they seemed biologically impossible. Do you think those were genetically related to the Howlers? I always thought it was odd the asteroid thing were given a lot of detail, but never came up again. I'm going to be so honest with you, Willis. I do not remember the asteroid aliens. <laughs> um, not not a clue. I'm so sorry. I, I do not remember that. But um, I... I think it's a big wide universe out there, and I think that Cryek and the LMS have been playing this game for a very long time. Anything's possible. And again, uh, we've, we've seen uh, the Hork-Bajir, right, are also a artificially uh, created species of alien. So, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who just be messing with DNA and making some weird little guys. And so, maybe, maybe they are related to the Howlers. I can't tell. I don't know. Um, as far as your prediction, uh, I don't think this is a major spoiler if they mention it at all. It's like a one-off line, but you are correct that because of Elemis shenanigans, uh, the Howler Morph does not stick the same way that the, uh, Dynamorphs don't. It, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a balancing, a power balance thing. You can't just, <laughs> if they, if Jake has a Howler Morph, then the series is over, right? He walks into the Yurk pool and just ends it. 
Um, so good call on there. You put you put the context clues together. They absolutely do not keep the Hellnormorph. Uh, I also have a uh, question sent in by Riddles, who says, Hi, I wanted to reach out and thank you. I've been listening to your podcast for about two years and was curious. What happens at the end of the series? Will you end the podcast or start over again? Maybe another series? Whoa, my voice got really high there. Three questions in a row and I just kept going up. That was weird. <laughs> uh, time flies and before you know it, you'll be on the last page. I'm sure you've had some thoughts on the... I'm sure you've had some thoughts on the subject. Again, thank you for taking on this project. And most importantly, you've stayed consistent and that's just rare. So keep being awesome, dude. I'm looking forward to hearing the next one. Thank you so much. I'm also actually very impressed with how consistent I've been with this uh, project. And very proud of myself for that, because, you know, I'm a guy who sometimes gets bored and moves on from stuff instead of finishing it. But I think this one's going to stick. Um, as far as what I'm going to do next, I, you know, I've given it a passing thought or two. I think someone, like, once mapped out at my current pace how long it would take me to finish the series. And it was something like another three or four years. So, you know, I got time. But um, I do, I would like to maybe redo the first, like, five-ish books that are recorded because I think, um, I think it's just such a difference both in audio quality as well as um, delivery. Uh, I, starting off, I was a bit self-conscious about recording these and I also hadn't really figured out um, any voices and the the few that I kind of had going, I was also doing like kind of half measures because again, I was I was feeling self conscious about it, and so I was like, I don't know if I want to commit, but I kind of want to hit at it. Um, and so I just think that you know they could be done better, um, just kind of to bring them back in line with uh, the rest of this series. So I think that that would probably be the first thing I do, um, and then after that, uh, well, listen, I have I think I have to pay Podbean to keep the server space <laughs> so as long as i'm paying for it i might as well um continue to use it you know what i mean so um i was considering um maybe just doing some other like ya series i remember from my childhood um both because you know uh feels kind of at least tangentially uh related to to the point you know, um, hit up other early 2000s, uh, late 90s, uh, that sort of like pulp YA fiction sort of thing. Um, off the top of my, and also because these things, um, bizarrely Animorphs excluded uh, now, uh, don't usually get um, much support uh, here in 2023. They don't usually have like an audiobook already, you know. Um, and so there's like a point to it, you know, at least someone out there might remember one of these series and be like, oh, cool, an audio version. I'm thinking about things like uh, Del Toro Quest or uh, Replica, if any of you remember that, something like that. Um, certainly probably not not another series as long as Animorphs, but that would be hard to do because um, there aren't too many uh, series that go this long. Maybe Everworld, you know, uh, that's another KA project. Maybe Remnants. I actually never read Remnants. Um, so that might be cool, but you know, there's, there's a lot of books in the world and not all of them have audio, uh, adaptations. So we might shop around. I might take a break for a while. I don't know. Um, this is all very hypothetical. We'll see how I'm feeling in the like four years from now when I finish, 
But uh, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you so much for asking a cool question and letting me ramble about it. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, that is all the messages I have. And I think I've covered um, all the ways to contact me. Um, that worked out really well. Except for, of course, um, you can also tweet at me on Twitter. That's at Audiomorphs. And that's maybe more casual. Maybe I'll just reply as a tweet. Um, and it's also where you should check where if, uh, I'm ever late uploading. That's that's uh, where I'll try to post the reason why. Um, all right. So that took a long time. So we can skip the rest of all this, um, you know, ratings and reviews and friends and all that whatnot. Um, and so thank you for listening. And I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel. And I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then... We fight.